0: You know, Andy gives me an introduction like that. It makes me sound like, uh, it makes me feel like I'm a, I'm a young person still. But uh, I know I'm old because this this last week, I, I, we've just been on holiday a few weeks ago. And just as you do sometimes, laid in bed. And I was just thinking, I was thinking, how old am I? And I, I was doing that thing. And I, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely 28. I'm definitely 28. So anyway, I've been telling people over the last few weeks, that I'm 28. And then I was at a conference yesterday and told someone I was 28, and my wife jumped in and went, "No, you're 27." <laughs> uh, and I kind of used to think, you know, that's a bit far-fetched when people say they forget their age, but I have forgot my age for the last two weeks. So, so yes, I'm officially old now. Just want to say, um, you know, if, if you've been serving this uh, well today in Mansfield down in the centre, just put your hand up if that's been you, Keely and, and Vic, and I know there's other people around. We just want to say a massive thank you to you guys, getting down into the town. You know, that's really valuable, and, um, you know, we believe in for God to do great things through that, guys. So, uh, thank you so much for that. So, as as, uh, Andy mentioned, I'm going to be starting a new series tonight. The last few weeks, we've been in a series called Jesus Followers. And if you have missed any of those messages, I'd encourage you to go back, take a listen, because these series are are not just put together on a whim, not just put together willy-nilly. There's a real sense of what God's trying to say to us as a church, as a group of people. So if you miss those, I'd encourage you to go back, take a listen, then just try and apply them to your life. But me and Christian, this next couple of weeks, we're just going to tag team on a new series called Make It Count. Make It Count. And a real sense that in this next season, God is wanting to help us make it count. Who loves Christmas here? Andy's mentioned Christmas, yes. I mean, I don't know what Andy's talking about, Christmas in November. Christmas is November. You know, as soon as November... I mean, last year, me and my wife, we just had Judah. We were in quite a lot and, and different things. And we started watching Christmas films at the start of October. <laughs> this year, we held off a little bit because you can only watch Home Alone so many times before December. So uh, we started in November. The start of November, we've been watching Christmas films, listening to, to Christmas music. I've been sat there all day at work, like, five hours, listening to Christmas music. It's been phenomenal. But I'm I just keen to know, anyone got the Christmas decorations up yet? No, 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 and that's good. Someone at church this morning at Ilkston did have their decorations up. Um, so, guys, get ready to get your Christmas trees out. But this season, the Christmas season, I love it for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons I love it is because how great it is in the calendar of our church. Yeah. We just have some amazing events on, yeah. some really accessible things to bring people to. And Christmas is unique for us because... Around, you know, for, for whatever reason, from December till January the 1st, people's attention is on the church. People want to come to church. People want to be around church. You know, they've, they, uh, they associate Christmas, sure, with Santa Claus, sure, with presents, but also with Jesus, also with him coming to earth, also with the nativity story. And people want to be in church. Since I got back from holiday, people at my work have been saying, can we go to church? Can we come to church? And I've obviously been like, yeah, that'd be amazing for you to come. Because people want to be around. And let me encourage you in this next period. Let's invite people. Let's bring people along with us. But let me jump into my message tonight. And we'll go to the Bible. It says in Luke 14, 23, it says this. Luke 14, 23, it says this. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full can be full. Now, we're just going to park that for a second, but there's this one question that Christians fear throughout the world. There's this one question that, its very utterance, shakes Christians to the core. Now I'll give you an example, it goes something like this, you might be walking to work on a Monday morning, and you're chatting with your friends, you're catching up, I don't know what you do at work on a Monday morning, but we kind of high five and give hugs, that's probably quite weird, but that's what we do. And, uh, you know, the kettle's on, it's going great, you're catching up with your friends. But all of a sudden, someone ruins it by asking the question. They go and say this, what did you do over the weekend? Now, Now, for them, it's an innocent, even a nice question. But for you as a Christian, you know what that question really means. So you're assessing the situation, thinking, can I make a quick exit? You know, can I make an excuse as to why I don't want to answer this question? When you realize that they're not viable options... You kind of go something like this, Friday, oh my word, Friday was amazing, went home, got a curry, watched Graham Norton, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt was unbelievable on Graham Norton, Friday was an amazing night, oh Saturday morning, you don't want to know about my Saturday morning, I had the best Saturday ever, went to Westfield Centre, had a Starbucks, Walked around, maxing, relaxing, it ain't too taxing, you know how it is. We had the best day, Saturday. Saturday night, went home, watched X Factor. Honey G fans, anyone in the house? Yeah, Honey G. She's the best. Saturday was amazing. What about your weekend? And they're like, no, no, you, you forgot to tell me about Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh Sunday. What did I do? Oh, Sunday. I, I, I forget. What I did Sunday, you've just told me in detail about Friday and Saturday. Sunday, I, oh yeah, that's right, I, I went to church. <laughs> so Sorry, what did you do? I, I went to, to, to church. Sorry, sorry, I didn't, didn't quite catch that. Mo- maybe something to do with a hand over your mouth. <laughs> oh No, don't worry about it. I just went to this gathering with my friends. Um, okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I just went to this thing. We sing and, you know, someone speaks. That sounds like a church. Yeah, yeah, I go to church. Now, I use hyperbole and exaggeration to make my point, but the reality is it is this. I believe that at one time or another, most people in this room, if you're a Christian, you have struggled at times to tell people that you're a Christian. Yeah. You've not quite been open with people about who you are in Christ. You've not been quite open about the fact that you follow Jesus. And this has caused us issues in the church. This has stopped churches growing. This has stopped churches making an influence. This has stopped churches prevailing in the, the places that they are in. Now, I wanted to do something really quickly. You will notice that I think you had some paper on your seats, yeah? Everyone should have had a piece of paper on your seat. Now, if you did, I want you to do something quickly for me. The three people closest to you who aren't Christians, I just want you to write them down for me. Pens, if you need a pen, just chuck your hand in the air, we'll give you one. The three people closest to you who aren't Christians. Yeah, I think most of us have got that done. Just keep going if, uh, if you've not quite done that yet. Just chuck that to one side for a minute. But this has crippled the church. And I want to tell you tonight, I'm not standing here saying, you know, I'm the best. I've got it all together. I've struggled with this at times in my life. I mean, especially in my teens, I struggled with this. And I asked God what I did is I got fed up with it. Of it and I prayed every day that God would free me. But I said, God, make me bold. God, made me bold. God made me bold. And somewhere between my first prayer and thousandth prayer, He made me bold. You know, if that's you tonight, God has got some freedom in the house for you yeah, tonight, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But tonight, I want to speak about bringing. Tonight, I want to speak about bringing people into the house of God. Now, I need to specify quickly there's a difference between inviting and bringing. See, an invitation is something like this. Hey, I go to this church called Arena Mansfield... See you there, 6 o'clock, Sunday night. It'd be great to see you. Bringing goes a step further. You see, you tend to invite someone. You just invite someone that you don't know that well. Bringing goes a step further. Bringing goes something like this. Hey, Carl from work. His name's not Carl from work. It's just Carl. Hey, Carl. I go to this church. You know I go to this church. Spoke to you about it before. We've got these amazing Christmas services coming up. I think you'd love it. I think your family would love it. You know, we've been talking for a while that we're going to get together. Why don't we go to church together? I'll come with you. We'll sit together. And then afterwards, let's go and get dinner. That's bringing. Because when you bring something, what do you do? You take it with you. See, bringing requires more of us. Bringing requires a new level. The invitation is just the start of it, but bringing requires more. See, Phil spoke about sacrifice last week. And bringing requires sacrifice. That's the reality of it. See, I believe that if we can get this thing of bringing, we can see Arena Mansfield grow like never before. I believe we can step into a season of growth like we've never experienced. I believe that we can have more impact on this town than we've ever even dreamt of. See, the first church in Acts 2, it was the first church, it's our model, the model that we should look to. That church was a church that was explosive. It was a church that you couldn't contain. It was a church that was growing unbelievably. They went from a number of 120 to a number of 5,000 in a matter of weeks then to a number that could not be counted. This was a church that was growing. This was a church that was expanding. You see this church didn't grow because of you know kind of you know religious voodoo or anything like that. There was nothing crazily special about this church. All it was was this. People were experiencing Jesus and encountering Jesus and then saying, "Hey, you need to come what come and see what I've seen." You need to come and feel what I felt. There's something about this Jesus. He's done something in my life. And you know what? I believe He can do it in yours. I believe that was the hallmark and one of the keys to why this first church grew. People were experiencing Jesus. And they were saying, hey, you need to come and experience this. You need to come and see this. It's unbelievable. See, at Arena, we're not believing just for addition. We're believing to be a church of multiplication. Multiplication of people knowing God. A multiplication of people finding freedom. A multiplication of people discovering the purpose. And a multiplication of people making a difference. Does anyone else want that? Just imagine what it looks like if 50, 60, 70 people can get this thing of bringing. We can see God do amazing things. You might say, Josh, there's just 50 of us. Well, you know the disciples, there were just 12 of them, weren't there? They changed the world. I believe that 50, 60, 70 of us, if we get this. We can change Mansfield. We can see Mansfield changed by the power of God. Anyone else? See, I don't want us to be content here tonight just with what we see right now. I want us to desire more. You know what? God's got more for Mansfield. God's got more for you. God's got more for this church. And tonight, God would say to you, I want more. I'm seeing more. I'm seeing bigger. I'm seeing greater. See, at times we've been barriers. We've been barriers by being scared, by not bringing, by not inviting, by not telling people about who we are. We've been barriers. I've been a barrier at times by not inviting people, by not bringing people. I've stopped the church growing. I've stunted the church growing. And I don't want that to be the case. Let's come back to Luke 14, verse 23. I'll read it again. Now, this is Jesus telling the story here. It says this, Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. See, there's a few characters in this story. There's the master, uh, that represents God. There's the servant, I believe that represents you and me. And then there's the master's house, I believe that represents God's house, i.e. his church here tonight. And the master's saying... Go into the roads and country lanes. Basically, wherever you have influence, go there and compel people to come in so that my house will be full. I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you compelling or are you compromising? Are you compelling that God's house might be full or are you compromising and just sitting back and, and saying, you know what, I just come to church on a Sunday night and then I just go and that's just what it is. Are you compelling that people might... Receive the freedom that you've received? Or are you compromising because you're scared? Are you compelling so that Mansfield might be changed by Jesus? Or are you compromising because it requires too much of you? See, tonight, church, I want to be someone who compels people to come into God's house so it may be full. Being a Christian isn't just about being a good person. There's plenty of good people in the world. Being a Christian is about following Jesus. See, and Jesus calls us to this. Jesus calls us to make disciples. Jesus calls us to tell people. You see, Jesus entrusted us with his great message that he loves people, that he cares for people, and he wants to know people. Jesus entrusted you and me with that message. Yeah. The reality is this that many of us work in places where we're the only Christian. We go, we work, walk in circles where we're the only Christian. And guess what? If you don't tell people about that you go to church, if you don't tell people that you're a Jesus follower, if you don't tell people what you believe, then people may never, ever hear that, those people around you. This is the reality. You're Jesus to those people that you work with. You're Jesus to those people in that social setting. You're Jesus to those people in that football team or that golf club or wherever it may be. You're Jesus to those people. Tonight... I want to go through three, three quick points on how great bringers are compelling. Three ways in which great bringers are compelling. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. First one, great bringers have a compelling heart. Great bringers have a compelling heart. That heart is for Jesus. And Jesus' heart is for people. See, Jesus died for you and me. John 3, 16, we all, well, most of us in here will know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God loves people. God came, died, rose again for you and me. He loves people. And we're called to love people. We're called to be there for people. We're called to be in people's lives. But I feel like at times we've got this wrong. We've made... You know, we've made telling people about Jesus more about what we've got to say than the person we're saying it to. We've made it more about winning an argument than what they feel. See, this is the thing. If someone came to me, you know, and kind of started to enforce the views on me, told me that, you know, their way was the only way, you know, tried to force something down my throat, the reality is this, I wouldn't listen even if it was good. I wouldn't listen. And this is what we've done sometimes as Christians. We've tried to force things down people's throats. It's all been about what we've got to say and not been about the person we're saying it to. I don't see Jesus model this. I see Jesus model a very different way. See, wherever Jesus went, he was compelling because he loved people. He loved people. He got into people's lives. He got down and he got, he got excuse the phrase, but he got down and dirty. He was there with people. He was loving people. He was helping people. He was healing people. Jesus loved people. See, at times we've been so quick to condemn. We've been so quick to judge as Christians. We've been so, so quick to, to kind of cast people aside because of what they're doing in their life. Jesus never did this. Christians tonight, we can't be scared of sin. We can't be scared of the mess in people's lives. If we are, we're not going to have any influence because you know what? The world's messy. Yeah. People are broken. People are hurting. And don't sit in here tonight like you've got it all together because you know what? We've all been messy as well. The world's messy. And you know what? Jesus wasn't afraid of that. There's this amazing story. I love the story of Zac- uh, Zacchaeus. I'd love to take it into more detail tonight, but I can't. But the story of Zacchaeus is this Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And you have to understand this. Tax collectors in that day were the worst of the worst. They were the robbers, they were thieves, <coughs> they were imposing their own taxes so that they could line their own pockets. They were stealing and taking people's money from people. People hated the tax collectors. They were the lowest of the low. They were a bit like Liverpool fans today. I'm joking. More like Man City fans. But they were the lowest of the low. They were the bottom ring of society. They were the people that no one wanted to hang around with. They were the people no one wanted to be around. But guess what? Jesus is walking into this town. He's got hundreds and thousands of people crowding around him. It said that you know, there was this huge crowd that gathered... And Zacchaeus, being a short man, he climbed up a tree so that he could see Jesus. Jesus does no more than walk straight through this crowd, straight to Zacchaeus, probably the worst person in this crowd, and says, Zacchaeus, I want to spend some time with you. Zacchaeus, I want to get into your life. So what happens, the way I see it, there's not loads of detail about this, but they go back to Zacchaeus' house, and I believe they have this big meal, almost like a party, and people are there. And people are talking. And you know what? We see it. We read the Bible so funnily at times. It's all perfect and great. And, you know, there's no mess. But this is the way I think Zacchaeus' house really was. I think there were people there saying things they shouldn't have been saying. I think there were people there doing things they shouldn't have been doing. I think there were people there who were a mess. There would have been prostitutes there. There would have been tax collectors there. These will have been the circles that Zacchaeus hung around with. And right in the midst of that is Jesus. And what's Jesus doing? We expect Jesus to go in and, you know, give him, say, guys, you need to sort yourselves out. But what does Jesus do? He sits there and eats. He loves people. He talks to people. He places value on them by spending time with them. He doesn't go in and give, you know, a three-point message. He doesn't go in and tell them they need to change their life. He spends time with people. Yeah. We have no account in the story of Zacchaeus that Jesus delivered any sort of message. He just said he ate. He was there with them. Yeah. Amazing. And what happens at the end of this meal? Zacchaeus stands up in front of all his guests and say, says, "I'm going to give everything. Uh, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor, and anything." that I've stolen from anyone, I'm going to pay back a few times. Jesus stands up and said, Today salvation has come to this house. That didn't happen by Jesus judging Zacchaeus. That didn't happen by Jesus condemning Zacchaeus. That didn't happen by Jesus you know, telling Zacchaeus he needed to sort his life out. That happened by Jesus loving Zacchaeus. You see, when we love people, that gives us Influence. When we love people, when we get into people's lives, it gives us a platform to show who we are and what we're about. Church, we need to love people. Church, we need to get into those people's lives in our workplaces. Those people who annoy us. Those people who we find at times, you know, a bit too far. We need to love those people. We need to be there for those people. I've seen this in my workplace. As I've loved people. As I've loved people in the mess. They've come to me and asked me for advice in their situations. It's unbelievable. Because they know I'm not there. I've not got an agenda. I'm just there to love them. I'm there to care for them. We need to love people. See, when people you know, know you care for them, you can speak into their lives. This gives us influence. So it's amazing start this week. there was a survey done in England this year, not in Australia, not in America, England this year. And the question was this, if you were asked to church, invited to church by someone, uh, by a friend, would you go? 82% of people said yes. 82% of people said yes. So that means if you go out and invite 10 friends, eight will come. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I think the key word there is friend. We're not talking about if you go and invite 10 people in the street, if you go and invite, you know, 10 people wherever. We're talking about people you know, your friends, your family, people you have influence over. Because this is the thing. You know, if Andy invites his friend to church, they know Andy. They think, you know, Andy actually he's an all right guy. Andy's not a weird guy. Yeah. Andy, you know, actually I quite like Andy. I quite like the way Andy lives. I want to see what that's all about. See, that's influence, and that's what this is founded upon. I know that these facts, are, you know, these figures are kind of right because last year I invited my office to church. There was like only nine people. It's not like a huge thing. But I invited them to church and, and six came. And one of them didn't come because he was away on holiday. So those figures kind of work, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's not this crazy thing. It's not this massive thing. It's just saying, hey, you know I go to church. I, I think there's a service you'll love and I'd love you to come along. When you love people, it gives you influence. Number two, great bringers have a compelling life. Great bringers have a compelling life. I believe that the world's looking for a better way. I believe that the world is looking for a better way, a better option. That's why in my own microcosm of society, there are people trying to exit marriages. There are people trying to get away from their lives by taking taking drugs and getting drunk there are people trying to make the life better and improve the life by getting the next possession the next best thing the new car the bigger house and they find out when they get the car when they get the house when they leave the marriage that actually the grass isn't greener and actually i'm still here and i'm still feeling pretty empty and pretty broken the world's looking for a new way and i believe as christians we're meant to model that way we're meant to model a different way of living. We're meant to model a new way. We're meant to model a way that's so compelling that people say, I love the way that Keeley lives, so I want to live my life like that. I want to be like that. Keeley, what's different about you? Yeah. That's what should be happening. I love this verse in Matthew seven 28. We're just going to have it on the screen here. Matthew seven twenty-eight in the message, it says this about Jesus. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. It didn't say Jesus' points were really special. It didn't say what Jesus was saying was special. The thing that made Jesus' teaching so unique and so special was that he was living what he was saying. You see, when when your words and your life match up, you make a difference. When your words and life match up, people come to you and say, I need what you have. The problem is this, if I can be honest. We've been hypocrites. Christians at times, we've been the liars, we've been the cheaters, we've been the gossipers, we've been the people that people don't want to be around. We've been boring, we've been hard to be around, we've been judgmental, we've been condemnatory. And listen, that's not what Jesus showed. That's not the way that Jesus showed. Christians, we are supposed to live a life that makes a difference. Your life should look so different in your workplace, in that social setting. Your life should look so different that people come to you and say, you know what, I want what you've got. What is it? Your life should make a difference. You have to understand this. The life you live carries more more weight than the words you say. The life you live carries more weight than the words you say. Finally, coming on to my last point. Great bringers have a compelling story. Great bringers have a compelling story. It's a lie that you need to be super charismatic or you need to be a preacher or a pastor or gone to Bible college to be able to share your faith. It's a lie. It's not true. But at times we've made it that we've said, you know, oh, no, I, I, I don't know enough about the Bible, so I can't tell people I'm a Christian. I, I don't know enough about, about, about you know, the, you know, the Old Testament or the New Testament or whatever it may be. I, I can't tell people. Look, I, I, I'm not very good talking to people, so I can't tell people I'm a Christian. It's a lie. I've learned over the years that I don't have to share out of what I don't have. I just have to give out of what I do have. At times we've made it so complicated. We've made it about, you know, sharing this seven-step process to following Jesus. We've made it about, you know, describing these great theological points. You don't need to do that. The most compelling story you can tell is yours. yours the most compelling story I can tell is mine that's a story that carries weight see when I say to people hey I'm a Christian Jesus changed my life you know when I was struggling he helped me you know when I didn't have much he was there for me you know when I couldn't carry on he carried me and guess what I believe he can do the same for you if you're sat in here tonight, you have a story and your story is powerful and God wants to use that story. He wants to use that story to impact people. He wants to use that story to help people. He wants to use that story to show himself and his glory to people. See, I, I, you know, there's people around here with great stories. Keely, you know, Paul, Simon, whatever. I could say, I could go to people and tell Keely's story. I could go to people and tell Paul's story or Simon's story, but it wouldn't carry any weight because it's not my story the most compelling story I can tell is mine we've made telling people about Jesus so complicated we've made bringing people to church so complicated but I believe if we want to make it count we need to make it simple and it is simple it's not easy but it is simple and it's this bringing people to church telling people who you are in God and saying look I'd love you to come and see it for yourself come and see what our church is about talked about making disciples earlier, and you say, yeah, Josh, you know, I don't see bringing in the Bible, I see making disciples. Well, I believe the best way we can make disciples in the 21st century is is by bringing people into the church, by bringing people into the the house of God. See, I I don't believe that we're all qualified enough to really take people through a substantial discipleship process, but if we bring people into the house of God, people are going to get discipled, people are going to be supported, people are going to be helped. People are going to encounter God's presence, and I believe the way discipleship looks in the 21st century is like this: I bring you to church, you encounter God's grace, and through all that, I walk with you. I'm there to pray with you. I'm there to help you. I'm there to encourage you. That's what I believe making disciples looks like in the 21st century. But I want to—I kind of tricked you early into, you know, you, you wrote those three three names down, and I want to ask you. I want to challenge you. Over this Christmas period, will you commit to bringing those three people to Arena? Will you commit to bringing those three people to one of our services? Will you commit to praying, God, I want to bring those people. God, give me me opportunities. God, give me a chance to bring those people to Arena. See, I want this to be something we talk about. I want this to be something that, you know, creates momentum. I want this to be something where we kind of, you know, we, we, we bounce off each other and say, you know what, I'm going to bring my people, I'm a bit scared about it, but I'm going to bring these people. I'm going to believe that we see God do something special. There might be 50, 60 people sat here tonight. If all of us can bring our three people, then that's 180 new people we're going to see in arena. That's amazing, hey? And who's got faith to believe that even... 15 even 20 of those people can encounter jesus can make a decision to follow him over the christmas period how amazing would that be that's what i'm believing for that's what we're believing for say josh it's unrealistic it won't happen well honestly i think when you when you make it simple i believe when you don't make it this crazy big thing when you don't make it this weird thing it can be quite easy and you just say hey i'd love you to come to my church I just want you stand to your feet we're going to worship God in just a second see I, I want my friends what, what I'm not doing is this and I'm not saying you need to go you know into the streets and you need to preach I'm not saying you need to go into every shop in Mansfield I'm not saying you need to go and knock on doors what I'm saying is this those people you have influence over bring them those people who love you and know you bring them those people who know what God's done in your life bring those people Simple. I just ask if you bow your head and close your eyes just to give people the space. And tonight you've been.